You're listening to the Black Eagles podcast with Sinan Schwarting and Khan Bayazid. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 95 of Besiktas International's The Black Eagles Podcast. I'm your host, Sinan Schwarting, live from a rainy, wintry New York City. And coming with me, once again, your favorite co-host and mine, Khan Bayazid, everyone! Coming from Belgium. How are you doing? I want to... Make it there, or something like that. <laughs> New York, New York. Varagum, Varagum. <laughs> are you in Varagum? Where are you in Belgium? I don't even know what Varagum is. Oh, Varagum. <laughs> no, I am not in Varagum. <laughs> my friend, I, I, I put, not only did I butcher it, but I got my geography up. I'm like, what is he saying? What is what is Vargem? What is that? Is it like a is it like a variation on the? Is it like a, a secret lyric to the New York New York so, song by Frank Sinatra that I am not aware of? Uh, oh, no, man. I am I am nowhere near Vargem. I am in uh, well, let's just say Antwerp. Antwerp, okay, Antwerp, okay. Anyway, <laughs> um, we have songs. We have, in Belgian. We have songs about uh, about Antwerp. Let let me uh, introduce you. It goes a little bit like this. Antwerp, Look it up. It's from the Strangers. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, I think Frank, Frank Sinatra, you know, is one thing. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm obviously kidding. Uh, I, I, I hate the uh, people who get too snotty about being from New York. Oh, well, you have Sinatra, we have The Strangers, you know. Uh. Yeah, sure, sure. Sinatra, The Strangers. I think um, it's like the think first time I, ever that The Strangers have been talked about on a, a Turkish football-related podcast. <laughs> um I'm actually quite fond of, uh, I, I, not like a big fan of music in general, but Alicia Keys' New York. New York. You know that song? That's it. I like that one. All right. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good song. That's it good is. Song. It's a good, like, I feel like that in like 50 years, I'll probably be playing that at the stadium here. I, I have a feeling. But anyway, um, we are so off topic. Besiktas. Everybody, we're still we're still fans. Don't don't get us wrong. Um, yeah, and we have a big week actually. We have a lot to talk about this week. Uh, from a, from a triumphant return to the national cup, uh, <laughs> and and a, and a good one on on top of it. Uh, to I think we'll probably talk about the Europa League after mm-hmm. that. Yeah, we're not going to go in chronological order just to get that bummer out of the way and then uh, of course there's the Kazim Pasha match which could have gone poorly Besiktas, well, yeah. let's just say going into that match uh, had not gotten a result 
in uh, away against Kasim Pasha in some time. So since 2014. Uh, yes, since exactly. So uh, one could have been dire or pessimistic going into it, but in this case, we're going to be ending the episode on a high. So anyway, let's let's talk some football, Khan. I guess first let's talk 24 Erzincan score. Uh, do you have any idea why they're called 24 Erzincan score? What's the 24? No clue. <laughs> what is that? It's so weird. I feel like Erzincan score would pretty much get the job done. But anyway, um, the yeah, only kind so of they're they're in the fourth division. So yeah, that's, that's know. worthy of note. Um, mm-hmm. I won't. We won't get too far into details on these first two matches. We'll do our stats and everything with Kasim Pasha. Uh, what I do want to talk about are the uh, the lineup, the, the decisions Abdul Abdi made as far as who is going to play in the domestic cup uh, versus in the league versus then again in the Europa League. That would be one thing that changed around quite a bit in all three matches, and uh, sometimes to good effect, sometimes. Less so, uh, but we'll we'll talk about it all. Uh, and in, in this case, the lineup was interesting, as you would expect in, in a in a domestic cup against a fourth division side. Uh, we saw Utku Yuvakuran playing in the goal, uh, Erdogan Kaya and Enzo Rocco on the back line, Nejip we saw on the on the right side of the defense, Lobosho on the left, Germain Lenz another start on the wing. Um, with who was uh, who was the other winger in this match? Oh, Tyler Boyd. Yes, Tyler Boyd, exactly. And Johnny came in for him. Okay, sorry. Um, so Jeremy Lenz and Tyler Boyd played together uh, with El Neni and Muhayer playing in the middle of the midfield. Uh, Umut Nair would play up front. Uh, yeah, I, the surprise for me. If anything, was seeing El Neni in the starting lineup, uh, even maybe Robosho, although I guess Janair is, is the go-to on the, on the left-back option often for Abdul Avci, so that was less of a surprise. But certainly seeing El Neni used in a match like this uh, was a bit of a surprise to me. Uh, did you have any thoughts, Khan? Uh, uh, no, I think that was... Uh... Logical rotation, uh, given the injuries we've had this season, not to overextend uh, uh, key players. And uh, against a modest uh, opposition, they should get the, the job done. So, yeah, yeah uh, no, I, I actually I get putting Elneny in there, like just to put a little bit of uh, just to fortify it a little bit. You don't want to put down a full youth team, I think. But I, I think that Ozan would have made more sense, honestly. But I'll say, I mean, yeah, that that's a good call. It would probably have but chosen that, Ozan. I guess then Muhayer wouldn't have stuck. Well, I, I think Muhayer Ozan would have been a little bit too offensive in midfield, perhaps. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll tell you what I, I think... would have done. I would have probably put uh, Nejip, if you're going to play him, mm-hmm. yep. in the defensive midfielder slot so that you could play Muhayer. And then and on then... the right back, play Kedem Khalifat or something. Yeah, um, that would have made sense, yeah. And... Oh, I see. One one point I'll make is that this lineup for me is far better than what we saw against um, Wolverhampton, as far as mixing young guys in, not overdoing it so much. Um, so that's one positive about this lineup. And and yeah, I, I don't know the results. Let's talk about the match itself. Um, 
so of course the the end result is best dash won this one fairly comfortably in the end three to nil do you have anything to say about the general play con like how, how did we look um hold on i have to go back a bit <laughs> um wasn't too impressed i think um result was okay i mean three nils obviously a good result because you know basically you're one leg into the next round um so you get the job done there yeah i, I mean i i i it wasn't a particularly good performance. I liked Tyler Boyd in the first half. He was uh, taking a lot of initiative, but then he, I didn't see him in the second half until he got subbed. Like he felt like he just faded out. Um, uh, Guven was bad. Umuts yeah. Yeah. No. So. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't like the way that the Umut Guven partnership uh, worked at all. I, I. I mean, I didn't think it worked, uh, to be quite frank, uh, in either match. Uh, where, and where I should expect Guven to um, to flourish when there's a striker for him to play off of. But yeah, no. For me, that chapters should be closed should be getting closed uh, just yeah no which chapter are we talking about guven the or? guven chapter for me guven just shouldn't be playing anymore yeah. he should we're very close to the winter break i really hope that he gets sent out on loan or even sold i couldn't care less anymore at this point i don't see him having any potential at all uh like there's no glimpses of signs of of, of, of anything but well i mean yeah i mean you know what the thing with, with i spoke about it uh in, in the you know, group earlier too like at least with Kyle Lowry, you could see that there were some glimpses of him having some instincts that a striker requires. Like, and I and I hearken back to remember that position in the last minute against Malmo last season, where he almost scored the equalizer that would have actually seen us through to the next round in the Europa League, to round of 32. But obviously, he didn't score that. But he did do well to get into that position, and that did show some. Uh, some tour instinct, I think. Um, whereas uh, you, I, don't, I just don't have the feeling that Guven has that at all. Um, he scored a bunch of, he scored some goals, some nice goals last season, but it always kind of was like, eh, I don't know. And then this season, he's been like, it's not like he's, it's not like he's missing some good chances where people are basically offering it on a silver platter but I don't feel like he's making good runs he's he's not making good runs and he's he's just turning into problems you know when he gets the ball into his feet then he turns straight into the, the knife of the, the the defender so to speak he he's, he seems incapable of, of giving a decent uh pass now i do have to say that uh against kasim pasha actually he, he he did actually give an okay pass over a couple of meters that actually let uh, that was involved in the build-up to the, the ultimate winner. So, uh, you know, sometimes he manages to give a decent short pass, I guess. But no, it's just like, ah, uh, I don't know. Like, I just don't want to see that guy anymore. He's just so, so bad right now. Yeah, it's hard to disagree. I absolutely agree, Khan. Uh, terrible. <laughs> He's really not. Uh, the development that we... 
we both knew was necessary, even though he'd had a positive start, has clearly not occurred. He should be making an impression against a team like this. And you know what? Maybe in the return, he will do something positive. But I just don't have the feeling that that that's this season. I, I, I don't know what it is with him. Like, I don't think he has confidence. Um, but quite frankly, I, I also don't think he has the ability. I, this just... I don't know. With, with Lauren, you could always see like there there has to be, a, you know, he may, he's. I said it last season multiple times. Like I don't think he's good enough to play for Besiktas, but I think he could do well at a smaller club. And I said that before about Guven, but honestly, I I I don't know if he could actually handle the Super League. Like. I don't know, maybe, I don't know if he could ever be like, let's say, a prime Ilham Parlak, you know, who, who now is playing for Ankara Gujou and is not good enough for the Super League anymore. But <laughs> I don't know if, 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 if Guven could even attain that level. I, I, I honestly don't, and I, I hope I'm wrong, of course, and uh, I hope he does more with his career, but I just... I mean, my inclination is, like, when you think of the, the other, however many teams we've got in this league... Uh, 17, 17 other teams. teams. Sorry, I was, I was like, do you have a 20 league team? Yeah, 17 other teams. Uh, there, are, there are a lot of mediocre to bad strikers at the, especially like when you get to the bottom end of the table, you know, when you're talking about clubs that are going well, I mean, up if, and if, down. I think if you look at Umut, Umut is a mediocre striker with limited technical capabilities, but he gets the most out of yeah, it. Yeah, he puts the because, ball in the back of the net. Yeah, he, you know what? I mean, he's not he's a limited footballer, but he he's a footballer. With Guven, I don't even have the, that, that, the feeling that he's a footballer. <laughs> At times. <Wow. laughs> I'm being super... I'm, I'm, I'm just... Yeah, I'm taking out the, 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 the rusty spoon right now. I don't know what to say about Guven. Um... Yeah, I mean, he he was bad, and like the fact that I had forgotten that he played in this match is is probably telling. Um, the fact that he should scored... be doing better against a fourth division side, especially with the amount of minutes he's getting. Uh, he has no excuse for not to be um, in any sort of of match fitness or anything. Like he 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 should be, you know. 100% ready. These types of games is where he should be putting his mark on. If he wants to ever be a proper Besiktas player, these are the types of moments he needs to seize at the age 20. Well, and there's another element to this that I think is a little more troubling even in the bigger picture. Uh, you see a team like that one put out against... 24 airs and John's four. I, I, it's just saying 24 airs is funny to me, but I, yeah, me um, but you know, when you, when you have a team like that with a lot of young guys and then even young guys who aren't necessarily young like that, like in the way of Tyler Boyd or, or Umut Nair or whatever, but who are relatively new to the team and still establishing themselves within it. And then you have Guven who among all of those guys has had the most time on the pitch the most time to settle and, and establish himself with the team. He, of all of the young guys, should be something of an anchor, uh, a positive force, someone, you know, at the very least, he should be one of our better young guys, given uh, the, the hope we've put in him and, the, and the, the time we've given him out there that we haven't given to other guys. Um, 
and, and he's getting time over other players. Yeah. Like we we pay 2.4 million euros for Tyler Boyd, and Guven is getting minutes above him in every single match. I don't understand that. Um, exactly. I'm, I'm not saying that that Boyd is is uh, necessarily a success of course he is thus far he hasn't been um but i think we made a certain investment in him where i think we should at least be trying to get a return on our investment there whereas i think in guven we the only thing we've invested thus far is his time honestly because he didn't cost us anything significant he's not on a big contract or anything like that but that time um, is starting to get pretty valuable because it's uh, it's logging up it's racking up it, it's 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 he's hampering other players i mean i think if you if you if you give uh, sorry if you give boyd those minutes that that Kuvin has been getting then maybe boyd would be further along in his adjustment right yeah, now probably, well, at the i would club, guess maybe. he'd have like at least three goals at least uh which yeah maybe he'd have a couple of goals or a couple of assists that would maybe got him you know kickstarted or whatever maybe he doesn't but the thing is that i think the what has given contributed in a positive way this this season i mean he got a consolation goal against uh against against Trabzonspor, which had absolutely no significance. Uh, you know, I mean, it made a, you never know. I mean, let's say we end on level points with Trabzonspor and we end up beating them at home 3-0 and we win the league title based on that. Then his goal <laughs> obviously had significance. It's a very but, specific scenario, though. We can yeah, agree. it's a very unlikely scenario. Uh, so, honestly, his you know, I mean, the other goal he scored was, I think, the first one against Gustepe, which... Uh, was a lucky tap. Well, it was an easy, so to speak, uh, goal. Ah. I mean, I j just to ra to wrap th this up and move on. I, I what I'm in full agreement, and I think it really. Uh, this is another conversation, probably even for another episode, honestly. But it spells the need for a replacement. We need a second striker. He's not the answer. Um, Umut Nair he, he's is usually not even much he, better. He's not even coming in on on the striker position. I think he's he's often coming in for 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 a, you know for a winger or a midfielder or whatever. And I think there's just like very frequently like he'll come in for like say uh, Diaby or something. Where I think okay that that's where you put in Tyler Boyd then. Exactly. But he's taking minutes away from Boyd. And I know I'm I'm 100 sure that there's people listening to the podcast right now is thinking ah oh, well Boyd's a flop. Boy, it's a failure, even, blah, blah, blah. Even Jeremy yeah, Lenz is making him. so much money and so much better as far as end product that we should at least be putting him out. I mean, there, we have your point stands, whether you're talking about Tyler Boyd or Jeremy Lenz or even some prospect that we haven't seen yet because at this point, yeah. we'd be better off seeing if someone else has it when this man certainly does not, <laughs> right? Like, we can say that. Yeah, I, 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 the, que the, the question that I have is why is he getting these minutes? Is, is like, does Abdullah Afci really have that much faith in him? Or is it like, okay, you know what? This guy could potentially have value in the future. We, we want to, but I, I don't see it, that value. I agreed. I really don't. I mean, obviously I'm not a professional scout or anything. Maybe I'm missing things, but I've got a bit of experience when it comes to this kind of stuff. And, I'm not always right about players. I've been wrong. I've been, you know, I've been very often been right too. I've I've been wrong plenty of times too. But like here, I just I really, with given I failed I failed to see a 
a, a real bright spot. Like, where is his value? No, I don't true. see him as a as a as a goal scorer. I don't. See, he's definitely not a creator. The difference between um, him and going back to your a previous point you were you were making, the difference between him and Kyle Laren, and I said this often. I think I was a little more hopeful than you. Um, I don't know. I I just like the whole Brampton, you know, Atiba thing, but. I really hope that that could work out. But um, honestly, with Kyle Laren, I genuinely felt, at least you know, towards the end, my patience was frayed, but I really felt that Kyle Laren, if he just scored a couple goals in a match or in back-to-back -back matches or something, I genuinely felt that the, the confidence was the, the main thing lacking in him. And his swagger, like and that, just, that's definitely true, by the way. Yeah, yeah as we've seen he's in, Belgium, that in Belgium right, right now. Um, yeah. And yeah, with yeah, Gouven, I do not feel that because he's even scored, as you mentioned, and it didn't kickstart anything within him. He still does the same things. He still takes those kind of wild shots from distance, and occasionally they'll go in, which they have, you know, or uh, whatever. Or but he, they haven't this season, though. And I, I, I wonder if, if the, the the difference is where I think this is the big difference is I think last season uh, when he was he had nothing to lose yeah yeah because also the team was in dire straits and yeah and there was no pressure on him whatever I mean if he did well then great if he didn't do anything nobody would care yeah. now uh, I mean it's not easy for him. He's been thrust into this position where Burak Yilmaz was injured in the beginning of the season and Umut was definitely not established yet uh, and then as Burak much as he is now. had struggled to sort of establish himself again, to re-establish himself. So I think, yeah, he yeah, had a lot of pressure. But Guven had a lot of pressure on him in the beginning of the season. He had to carry that front line as the, as the striker and I just, yeah, he just crumbled under the pressure. But then now... I, I don't know what it is now because Burak is back now, Umut's there, so there's a safety net. Maybe yeah. he's just got the feeling now, okay, I lost my spot to Umut, so maybe he's completely demotivated and it's just, it's all up in his head. But That's also even not good. He's young season. enough that he should be able to take his lump still and like learn. There's still so much yeah. one could learn from being on the bench. And but even last season, I, I didn't really, I couldn't really put my finger on what made Guven potentially special like I, last season the thing i liked about him was his work rate yeah. I, he was often posted on the left wing uh and he just ran his socks off but, but he didn't put really... your whole career on that you know like yeah no he ran his socks off but then he didn't really do anything useful with the ball or anything it's not like he ever gave a, a proper true ball or he put in a cross or yeah he got involved in a couple of goals and he scored a couple of decent goals last season uh but a lot of them i think involve some some definitely some luck too and and sometimes you need that but i don't know last season even i i couldn't really say that's going to get him far in his career. Like with Cenk, for example, you could see certain abilities. Like I think Cenk is a pretty phenomenal header, especially for his size. I, I think you could also see that he's a, you know, he's definitely got that tour instinct. Uh, Cenk missed stuff. Like he didn't really have the physicality. Uh, he didn't have the height. He didn't have speed either uh, to a certain extent. Like he had a lot of, he checked a lot of boxes, like he was a lot of sevens out of ten, so to speak. Like he was pretty complete, but he didn't stand out anywhere. Whereas you have with with Burak Yilmaz, you have uh, 
he's not a very good header at all, but he's a decent finisher, but he's very good in getting into goal-scoring opportunities, making good runs, stuff like that, which puts him apart, which has gotten him far in his career. I think with Cenk, you had... He, he lacked something to meet him, to make him elite level, um, but he had a lot of things that he did well enough for him to have a good career. But with Guven, I, I, I can't point at anything... You know, I can't say like, oh, he's a. At least he's he a, does. Yeah. What? Yeah. There's no. Yeah. There's no. I mean, apart, end to that. apart from maybe. Apart from maybe he has a. a I'd say a, a, a decent shot from from distance, <clears throat> but it's not even like. It's not even like that's gonna earn him any. I mean, he's not gonna be able to make his bread and butter off of that. It's not good enough for that. No, no definitely not. This this has turned into a bash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, to be fair, there's not much to say about Erzin John about the match. Uh, the one point that I will make, perhaps in closing and moving on to the next match, because I think it does, it's something that did not ring through until, the, and, uh, despite a similar backline. Um, but the backline against 24 and John's board was really solid. And of course, they're playing against the fourth division side, so what do you expect? But I thought Erdogan, Kaya, and Enzo Rocco paired okay. Najib was all right on the right side, and uh, John Air, or no, Labosho on the left. Uh, we're going to skip over Kasim Pasha. Again, we'll come back to it. Uh, and so... Oh, one more thing, I think that the, the, the most important part to take away from Erzinjan was that Nkudu came off the bench and got injured. Yeah, oh so, man, yeah. yeah. I mean, that just goes to show you again why it is important to rotate and i think it's important to that for us especially given the amount of injuries we've had this season i'm going to come back to this in a bit because there have been some criticisms about the lineup we put out against Wolf, wolverhampton but i think that's exactly the reason why you don't risk those types of players but then to put them in and as a sub kind of baffles me you yes know, you exactly, make you, no, you consciously exactly. make that decision not to want to risk these guys and then you bring him in anyway go, and then he gets injured which is why yeah. he didn't play him in the first then place you, no i you bring him in in a match, you're winning 3 0. So and then he also why? brought in John Erkin, which is like the even older guy who could be the other option on the wing, but you then also imperil. No, there was bad substitutes again. And, and we've talked, for me, that's the theme of Abdul Abdi so far. You know, overall, I kind of approve of what he's doing, uh, but that for me is yeah. the main criticism. But- the, the, the issue, I think it's, it's you know, we, we call out these subs, but we also have to look at the options he has. I think that's also an issue. We have a lack of squad depth. We don't have a lot of options, especially on the wings. We lack options. Well, and so this is actually a perfect segue into the to the Wolverhampton match. So let's, I'm going to go over the lineup we put out against Wolverhampton because, again, Kazan Pasha, we'll get back to, that was our sort of normal starting lineup. But against Wolverhampton, again, we only had three points in the Europa League. This was a, a dud of a match, a lame duck session, if you will. Uh, we had no reason to really play anything close to a starting lineup, and we we, we would not. Uh, it would have been it would have been reckless. Oh, it would have been terrible. Yeah, Absolutely. Now, what I will say is that all right. Let let's let me talk about the, who we played. We we started again. Utku Yuvakuran uh, and the goal. Fine. <clears throat> On the back line. We saw Erdogan, Kaya, and Nejip as our starting central defenders. Kerem Kalafat on the right side and Robosho on the left. Erdem Sechkin and Ozan in the, the center of our midfield. And then Tyler Boyd, Jeremy Lenz on the wings. Guven Yalchin starting behind, excuse me, Umut Nair. Now, all in all, 
I get the defense that you were kind of already starting to launch. But for me, the concentration of young guys in the same part of the pitch, it's not so much having that many guys out there that are young. I feel like we could have had maybe one or two less than we did without putting out um, guys like who, you know, we, we need to be resting or whatever. Uh, but that back line of Lobosho, Erdogan Kaya, Nejip, Kerem Kalafat, and then with Erdem Sechkin being the kind of more defensive of the central midfielders. For me, that was putting too much pressure on those young guys against a Wolverhampton side that they didn't really take a break on us. They didn't cut us any slack. Yeah, they, they, they rotated a couple of starters out, but they started with a pretty strong yeah, lineup. Just, they were missing Raul Jimenez due to suspension. Juan Moutinho uh, was like tearing those yeah, guys Yeah, they had Juan Moutinho on there. They had uh, Ruben Neves on there. It was there. almost so surreal, they had a decent... like, for, for someone our age who saw a guy like Juan Moutinho being a kind of prominent, almost star potential guy with the Portuguese national side a few, you know, when we were younger, um, to see a guy like that with that kind of... Um, a reputation internationally against like Erdem Sejkin <laughs> for me was like what is going on this is so surreal but you but you I think that honestly I mean when I looked at their lineup I was like oh you know we're gonna really struggle in midfield and f quite frankly I thought in the first half we really didn't no, it wasn't it was until Diego, yeah. Diego Shock we were yeah it wasn't solid. until uh, Diego Jolta came yeah. on and making those uh, penetrating runs that we really got into trouble because in the first half honestly apart from an offside position for them where they scored but it was clearly offside I, they didn't really do that much uh and i i was kind of happy with the performance uh but i i i wholeheartedly disagree with what you're saying though um, <laughs> i expect no no no, but the reason I'm disagreeing is because I can't think of a single player that I'd put in those positions that you're mentioning right now because you don't want to guess the problem is Douglas is still out Douglas is still out, so you didn't have an alternative oh, on right damn. back. The only option you have there is Gukhan or Nijib. Gukhan, you're not going to want to play. Vic, yeah, so let's let's so you look have at to the position by one. Damn. Okay. The only the only position that you yeah, Rocco's had unfortunate injuries in the last two years too, where you know it came to a point no, where we, we I, were yeah, going to take him to another injury, and then he got injured. So you don't want to play Enzo Rocco. Definitely. I mean, we ended up playing him as a sub, but you don't want to start him, risk him for an injury. I don't think he should have come on as a sub either, yeah. by the way. Uh, you don't want. You're definitely not gonna risk Gokhan Gunnel. He's playing. He's been playing for the last I don't know eight years of his career very frequently with injections. You're not gonna. This is a throwaway match. People need to understand. I, I've seen a lot of opinions on this uh, of people that I whose opinions I respect, and they're criticizing these choices too. And I just, I I think they're their pride is hurt a little and they're putting a little bit too much stock in that well, no I here, think. my thing is i i feel i didn't i i'm i'm with you insofar as this game did not matter at all i don't care at all about the result my only thing about about playing young guys is that there's a certain point where if you set them up for failure you're kind of hurting their development as well and doesn't yeah, benefit but, them to be out there are you setting them up for failure though i mean i think they showed really good i mean i think as a team they showed a decent thing in the first half i will now, and let plus, me just quickly add though that i will i mean i had not 
recognize the extent to which we didn't really have any other choices back there. Because now I'm thinking That's in the in our in the center of our midfield, right? We had Ozan, good, right? Because you don't want to risk the guys who were regularly playing El Nene. You had to put a little. You had to put some experience in there, so obvious the obvious choice is Ozan. Yeah. The only choice. And then you besides have that, is you okay, so fine. What if you want to put Nejip there? But then who do you play in the center? Of the I forgot that with Victor Ruiz out, we need Enzo Rocco yep. for our league match, yep. and so then that means that exactly. we don't even have. I mean, in a sense, it's, I, I'm glad that Nejip is the expendable one. So that means at least Enzo Rocco is in the we plans. Have three, uh, we have three league games left before the end of the year. Very important ones, as we've talked uh, about. Two home games, potential nine points. See, I didn't realize that's, the extent to which we are still so ravaged by injuries. I, uh, I think Douglas that's what most people... so annoying because, like, he would I, be the obvious... This is the obvious game, uh, and including the, yeah. the domestic cup, where he can finally get his feet wet and... and uh, yeah, yeah, that sucks. That's an sure. annoying. That's an annoying injury. And I, I think that's uh, that's kind of something people are very. I think people are are people are looking at it this way. I think if you're not injured, you can play. But do you want to risk Tomagoy Vida, who is probably your most important player Definitely at the back, that, yeah. including Car You don't want to risk Carriers. I mean, obviously mm. Carriers. I mean, if this was a match that we could still qualify, obviously you're gonna want to play those yeah, guys. Yeah, but no. we were playing for 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 poker not, chips. Not even we're playing you know, for. We weren't playing for we pride. Playing for absolutely nothing. For our feelings. Carius we're playing for our feelings. Yeah. No, okay. Carius is not someone who's gonna get injured quickly, but you don't want to risk it, right? You, you can have a freak accident in training, sure, but at least no way, then. No, no. You know, this was, no, I, This is a risk you ca you cannot no, take. My, you don't my thinking was that we had rather than sort of the C team that we saw, that we had these B team guys that needed to be playing. But now that I'm being reminded that we don't really, that these guys are injured, it really complicates. No, I, I actually, yeah. in this we regard, have, have, I think we have it's no very other important options. that we not care about this match. And, and what I was going to say, kind of to round up my feelings about the whole thing, is that despite the less than ideal uh, development uh pattern here or you know like uh like like i said maybe had these kids being set up for failure it doesn't really seem like we had any other options and i'd rather these kids be set up for failure once than the the whole team be imperiled the whole season imperiled by someone getting injured that we need in these far more important yeah. games say so you 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 you've put out uh let's say you you play not both Atibal and Nenny, but you play one of them. No, no, you start I one of them. I wouldn't. And then let's say, <laughs> I've heard no. Let's say you start. Let's say you start Enzo Rocco. You rest Domagoj Vida, but you start Enzo Rocco. You start and you start El Nenny, and you start. Um, well, I mean, obviously you're gonna start with Umut. Uh, yeah, let's say you you start Erdem and 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 El Neni, and then you put Olshan on the ten, and you put Umut up top. You leave Guven in the trash can where he belongs. <laughs> you put Boyd and Lens on. You Maybe put Bochon. You put Rocco. You put you put Rocco. You put Erdogan, and then you put like Nejip on the right back, or you still play Kerem on the right back, and you put Nejip in the center of midfield, and then you put Karius in goal. Huh? Let's see. That's what you do. Yeah, but to what to what point? What's yeah. the point? I mean, except for I mean, are you gonna are you realistically going to have a much bigger upper chance at winning this match? Actually, I'll tell you why it's because stupid. I think uh, it's not just stupid in terms of 
these guys getting injured. It's also stupid because like these guys could get cards and then have suspensions and going into next year's European competitions for no reason. Yeah. Like whatever the hell it is. There's so many reasons not to play them. No, okay. It, it just takes one of those guys that I just mentioned that you could have put in and just one of those guys to take a bad bump coming down from an aerial duel and straining his ankle. It just Even takes a little, one of them like, guys to put injury in that puts him out for a few days and then he can't play this coming match against Yeni Malatya. So yeah. even something like Malatya that is so much more important than Yeah. Malatya is not to be underestimated. Then we have Fenerbahce right after that and then after that we have we have Genshterbeli at home. So it's like you these three matches are so much more important. We are currently on 27 points. We have the potential of ending the first half of the season with 36 points. Now the chances of that are not very high. We still have an away game at Fenerbahce. We need to be realistic. Are our chances, you know, the, the likelihood of us winning there aren't very high, but you never know. Um, but you don't want to put a bomb under these matches. We've had enough injury issues. This season. You know what people care about too much? They care about other dumb people's opinions that they don't know. And like, what I sense is yeah. that people are more worried about having to defend themselves against trolls on the internet who are like, oh, Besiktas couldn't even beat Wolverhampton. 100%. Even Wolverhampton beat them 4-0. You think you could compete with... I, <laughs> and like, just do the 10 seconds of intellectual work required and reply with a screenshot of the formation we put out there and explain that this is our seed team if it matters to you that much or you don't even need just to ignore them because <laughs> who cares those people's opinions exactly. don't matter um whether we end the group stages with three points or with four points or, six. or with six points it really doesn't matter um the 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 the, the purse the winner's purse of winning a match in the europa league is not significant enough no. either for to 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 justify risking uh any key yeah. player if, injury. if it was the difference between uh, look, qualifying look, for the next stage fine but it's clearly not yeah yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, if we still had an opportunity, a chance, even if it was a small chance to qualify, then it's different. Um, and it's kind of been the same thing. Like I saw uh, something earlier. I seen some people make remarks, like you know, Abdullah, like mainly because of this, because Bashakshir somehow managed to qualify for the next round of the Europa League by getting an, a stoppage time winner in. Germany against Borussia Mönchengladbach, which is phenomenal, of course, and they managed to qualify as group winners for the round of 32 for the first time in history. They managed to go in uh, beyond January in Europe, and of obviously, you know, Abdullah. I was just saying the this, irony, this, of course, this. is that the one year that Abdullah is not there is the one year they they not just win a match, but like actually succeed. Uh, that's almost yeah so of course people are immediately jumping on you know oh well you know Afchi's just doing what he did at Bashakshir now he's doing it at Besiktas he's sacrificing their European campaign for um ah, for the league no way. for the domestic campaign and and you could look at it that way and it's definitely no it's definitely true but it's different this team is establishing itself there's moving parts in and out injuries like yeah there's next season fine. we can apply that lens to him it, next season once he's got enough part, parts in place going it all into depends the year, you know yeah i mean you need to keep in mind where we were in those first few exactly. weeks of of the, of the season how many players we, we were, were missing talking about how Guren had to play up how many because burak was out and Lijic was out, so we, we had other, like, no, there was no quant. yeah. Eh. We lost our opening match away at Bratislava, 
Uh, he did some rotating there, yeah. He rotated in Rebocho and he rebotated, uh, rotated in Douglas. Um, which I think at the time when you saw the lineup, nobody thought that was him throwing in the towel. It's not like he was playing youth players then. He that's was when you're supposed to putting play in players. Guys, yeah, exactly. And then it's against an opponent we should have been beating, but we lost that match due to certain, you know, referee screwed, decisions, man. whatever. No, man, like, obviously we can say this now in retrospect having come out on the other end relatively unscathed obviously the european thing was a bit of a blow to our egos collectively but um when we look back at yeah. this first half of a season in charge of Besiktas and all the complicating factors the injuries all the new players coming in like loan guys and you always have new players coming in but we had but a we had exceptional like amount of it wasn't early just, on in the season and not just not and only did we have like six new guys coming in but the, a good chunk of the back line was is new and that's like yeah. uh, uh, where communication is so vital and familiarity especially like come on no we've had and not just new but rotating because of injury victor ruiz being in and out uh, enzo rocco was basically a new player i mean if we think about uh, yeah, he, his actual playing time with a club and playing with these yeah, guys. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, I, I think with all these factors in place, and uh, Abdul Afshi has actually done fairly well, big picture. Uh, and it's hard to say that given where we were, you know, maybe a month he ago. He was in a very difficult position in the in the, the early weeks of the season because I'm going to reiterate this, but we missed, Laich missed the entire training camp. Burak Yilmaz missed the entire training camp. Um... Then we had uh, Atiba, who missed basically the entire training camp, didn't get to full fitness until a couple of weeks into the season, and he's turned out to be really important. Then we had El Neni joining late, plus then getting that suspension, uh, the three-match suspension for that red card against Gaziantep early in the season. We had uh, Unkudu joining the team late, uh, Diaby joining the team. Yeah, Diaby joining the getting team late. <laughs> uh, in both yeah, cases, and, and then. Yeah, and, and this is... Look, Tyler Boyd for us, coming in, getting to, injured after a fantastic summer as well. Like, remember the, uh, the oh, concussion? Oh, yeah, yeah, you got that concussion. But, okay, so this is important to take away from uh, our, our European group stage draw was Braga and Wolverhampton. This is, it was a tough draw. We had to take six points against Slovan Bratislava to have a chance to qualify. <laughs> that is simply... That is simply the and truth. So to come out that on is game, look, game look. One and why did Bishakchi here? Why did Bishakchi here qualify for the next round of the, the of the Europa League? Because they beat the small team in their group yeah. twice. They won twice against Wolfsburger, and Wolfsburger are not a poor side because they did well. They beat Borussia Mönchengladbach, and they took a point, and they took a yeah, and they took a point from AS Roma. So they're not uh, a pushover well, by can any I just means. Make a and neither uh, Austria is passing turkey in coefficient this year uh, which is terrible news but ironically yeah, like just Bashakti here is the only one who put up a fight for us apparently but... yeah but to back to back well, to my point we had to take six points against lava sure, so sure. after we lost that opener our chances of qualifying yeah. our, our our chances of qualifying for the next round were, became a lot and smaller. that was all so, the reps, if you recall that was a terrible ref performance it was a terrible ref, but you also need to keep in mind that Loris Kari should have gotten sent off early yeah. on in that match. So it wasn't all against us. So 
that's just the circumstances. We didn't have Burak, which is important. Uh, you know, we we missed a lot of players early in the season against Slovan Bratislava too. I think, you know, things could have been different there. But then we also had to put out, because uh, was it, I think we played, I think we played Braga around the same time that we, yeah, we played Braga at home around the same time that we played uh, Galstrai, I think. And remember against Galstrai going into the derby, how um limited we were with the injuries we had to put out a b team against galstra in the derby and somehow we managed to win that that was that was a but turning we, point I, I mean that or the alanya match the that was, made a few key performances yeah. and key moments that really spurred this run. definitely but but we i think people forget that now they're criticizing and saying look uh i've deliberately through the europa no, league yeah, no. campaign but that's not i don't think that's not true no. at all because you have to keep in mind the players he missed in that period of time also he was missing those players at that period of time in the league and then then he finally had guys like burak yilmaz coming back from injury clearly not being 100% fit yet after I think the Alanya match. No, I uh, see. So. I see Europa League as the kind of sacrificial lamb, not by design, not by he, intention. He had to rest Burak after the Alanya match. I think it was after the Alanya. He had to rest him. Yeah. He could not risk him reaggravating his injury and being out for X more weeks. No, I, I and let's can't not, argue let's not forget because Burak came back from his injury at the start of a training camp. And then he reaggravated this injury, and that's why he was out for three months because he came back, back too yeah, early. Exactly. So we couldn't risk that in the Europa League. And technically, like stupid. if we're going to be honest, we probably kind of rushed him back in general throughout the season. Even this last bit of, you know, it's, that's, I think that's why it's taken so long for him to find his form. Hopefully, he's really found it. You know, he has found the back of the net a couple times now. So. Yeah. Didn't look like it. Uh, no, yeah. Well, so and yeah. Again, I think this is a perfect segue because we really should now really put Europe behind us. Uh, it was so inconsequential this year. It was the sacrificial lamb, not by design, but just you know, insofar yeah. as that's that's the best we could put out. Again, we and literally like had a season, you said. Uh, and that's yeah, fine. and like you said, if next season, if if next season, Abdullah ends up sacrificing Europe. And like clearly doing that, then you can criticize exactly. him. I think this season you simply can because, uh, of course, if we, it's possible, perfectly possible that next season, uh, early in the season, we have a ton of injuries again. But you know, let's yeah, I mean, knock on wood yeah. and hope that doesn't happen. If he, this, if we don't have like a massive injury list of key players and whatever, or players that are just coming back from injury, you know, that can't handle two games a week yet. If we don't have that, and then he still sacrifices Europe, then you can justifiably criticize him all you want but yeah. doing it now is not fair, not fair. simple and I'm, I'm not i'm not you know this this far i'm not convinced of abdullah to be honest uh but he has done an okay job and i did not i did not think i didn't think at all it was possible for him to get the train back on tracks and we spoke about that even a couple of weeks ago just like before we went on this amazing winning streak of six matches uh, we spoke about it. we said well you know up until january and uh, this is a the story for him is over it's already ended blah 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 we said that yeah, yeah. um and you know he's turned things around and i didn't think he was going to be able to do it uh okambu did the same thing at, at bashakshir but sure. the circumstances there obviously are Way very different. different in terms of pressure so uh kudos to abdul Abchi for being able to do that you know poor substitution policies or not yeah uh kudos to him well but and, of course, and the important and again yeah i think with all that sort of bad 
stuff out there with the Europa League. Let's let's get back on track to the good news because the real headliner for this episode, and and I think the the talking point that we should focus on is Besiktas played on the road uh, a Sunday evening at the <clears throat> Recep Tayyip Erdogan Stadium in Istanbul uh, against Kasim Pasha. Uh, as has already been said earlier in the episode, Besiktas had not gotten a result there in, since 2014. So quite a drought. And uh, again, Abdullah Afji getting the job done. I guess let's let's all right. Let's do this one more carefully. So we'll talk about the lineup as always. And so here we again mm-hmm. had our normal starting lineup with Loris Karius, Doma Gojvida, and Enzo Roko on the back line. Globosho got the start uh, with Gokan Gonu on the right, Atiba and Elneny, of course, uh, Diaby on the wing opposite Janer, with Adam mm-hmm. Lijic uh, playing behind Burak Yilmaz. That. Yeah. Obviously, Nkudu got injured uh, against Erzin Jan, so that's why Chan yeah. started on the wing. I, I just, what was it, like a two-week injury? That, right, originally, it seemed like it was worse, but I think it's been downgraded, so I'll be back I don't know, soon, I think it's, uh, it's, it's a hamstring injury, so uh, it could be worse than you expect. So, well, I don't know. Let's hope he's back before. The, I think we really, you know, because, like, this weekend, we could definitely use him against Malatya, but it's a home game. Yeah, no, so I think we don't need Fener. him desperately, yeah, him. but away at Fenerbahce, that's where you need exactly. that explosive uh, in Kudu. At the yeah. least off the bench, but I hopefully even for a full match. But yeah, so, I mean, no shocks in this lineup. Uh, you know, Diaby and Janer on the wings, mm-hmm. perhaps a little bit. Uh, not so ideal. With Nkudu's injury, that's that's what exactly. we... That's no shock. Yeah. You know you know he's going to start Chandler. We do know that. We totally know that. I mean, yeah, especially... I mean, the nice thing, I guess, is that he has enough faith in Hobosho to play him on the back and slide Janer forward. Uh, you know, because I think Hobosho's earned that. He's had a rough outing in, you know, with this Wolverhampton match, but that's so unfair. We, we talked about the quality of that back line. He was one of the only regular players out there you can't put anything on him i don't think even if you can you know you shouldn't um but yeah i mean so that was the lineup we had going into this match shall we just get into the uh to the the timeline here in the 15th minute i guess we'll do a brief one the 15th minute Karim hafez got himself a red card and so special touch had an advantage and that, that was very helpful and i think uh mm-hmm. we talked about how hard getting results here have been so that certainly alleviated the pressure right up right from the get-go you, you think, you think. Right. uh <laughs> but yeah just nine minutes later the first goal to be scored would be scored by who else but mustafa pektemek uh 24th minute kasim pasha has a one Lead. What are you thinking at this point, Kainer? Are you, are you, is your heart palpitating? Are you surviving uh, this? My, my, I think my, my, my thinking was at the time, my mindset is like, not again. It's gonna go wrong here again. It's always this, you know, it's always here. We always stumble away at Kasem Pasha. Despite how successful Shinol Gunesh was as a Besiktas coach in his first two years uh, and ultimately in, in the four seasons he was our coach, he never 
one away at Kasim Pasha. I think that's that that says something. And obviously for for Kasim Pasha, uh, for those of you who don't know, I think most of you will know. But for Kasim Pasha, uh, they are actually led by a, like the the club. Their their board consists out of a lot of uh, former Besiktas. Uh, club members, some board members who are disgruntled, who left the club after, uh, I, I believe, because Oman came in and they went and basically pumped a bunch of uh, funds in Kasim Pasha. And remember in the early uh, 2010s when uh, Kasim Pasha had a really fun side with Ryan Donk, Ryan Babel, Scarione, yeah, yeah. uh, uh, you know, all those players that you think would be definitely bubble especially like a player that you think would be out of their financial means but somehow they managed to sign those guys and uh, they've had a hard on for Besiktas and I, I, I honestly they uh, I am 100 not 100 I'm like 99.9% certain that for every home game against Besiktas they offer their players like uh, like stupid bonuses if they get something from that match I'm, I'm certain of that because it's just it's their Champions League final it, it's their that's like Bursa Sports home games against us like it's very important for them it's like their derby that's like their Besiktas Galatasaray their Besiktas Fenerbahce you know how want. important yeah, that they, is they wish. that's they want to to put a stick in our wheel um, and they yeah they've, made, they've done a really good job at that for the past couple of years I mean uh, so they are they are our black sheep I, I'm curious so now the stadium is named after Erdogan because this is the neighborhood that he was born in and grew up in, right? But he was actually a no, Trabzon I think he's from Riza, isn't he? Isn't he from Riza? I thought he was a Trabzon sport <laughs> fan. No, he's a Riza. No, he's no, 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 no. He's a Fenerbahce fan, but he's from Riza, I believe. Oh man, this is complicated. <laughs> Let's not touch this. I'm not touching Turkish politics with a ten-foot no, no. stick. That's not. Um, but so anyway, uh, so yeah, that was a tough start to the match for sure. And of course, seeing Pektimek score the goal made it all the harder. Uh, but uh, it would take a little while, actually, but 15 minutes would pass. And in the 39th minute, John Air Erkin would equalize and at least calm us down, take us off the ledge. Yeah, then you think, okay, we're a man up. We've got the equalizer just before halftime. All is good. We're gonna go up and over these guys. Second half, no problem. What were your that's, thoughts that's, on the goal? That's itself? how I went into the halftime. Uh, I think it was lucky. Uh, yeah. I think it went through at least one pair of legs, and it was like, yeah, it was lucky. I think we that was, but that was the type of. You know, that's that you need to get exactly. quick, back into it quickly, and that's what we needed. And uh, you know, I don't care if it's it a felt pretty like goal. One of those or not. goals, like that's how it's gonna, ha you know, that's how it is in, in a championship run. You know, you're gonna yeah. get those dirty goals, not not dirty against the rules, but yeah, dirty, messy. Like, yeah, messy. Let's call him messy. Exactly. Yeah, and not messy like Lionel. Lionel, but yeah, the other <laughs> like Leo the bad messy. kind. Uh, but um, like uh, like like a teenager's uh, rule. Yes, exactly. Uh, so yeah, going into the half, uh, Besiktas looks like they're doing, you know, we're on the uptick anyway, at least we're in the match, we're not losing or anything like that. Uh, it's it's one-to-one. Burak Yilmaz gets a stupid yellow card going into the half. Yeah. Just dumb, but whatever. Uh, but everything seems fine at this stage. And then once again, uh, things would get thrown into disarray. And as the second half begins in the 56th minute, Beautiful assist from Hajdodinovic, to be honest. Mm -hmm. uh, and Koita yeah. puts it away. Also a tidy little finish. 
And Cosmic Basha has the lead again, despite being a man down. Yeah. Uh, yep. It looks bad, doesn't it? At this point, I think we're all in panic mode. At this point, I think we're like, oh my god, I can't believe we're gonna lose points. I, I wasn't at the... I, I, I still thought well, we're gonna get the equalizer probably like in the 84th minute or something stupid, way too late, and we'll get the point, but this is a match you always have to win given the circumstances where they're down to 10 men after just 50 minutes. You can't, There's no excuse for not winning this and match. And so then, uh, and then he gets a yellow, and then Diaby comes out of the match for Umut Nair, so we switch to the 4 4 2. I'm gonna be honest though, I'm at this point I'm feeling so angry. You know, my main criticism of Abdul Abdiar's subs. I don't think Diaby should be coming out. I get yep. it with the 442, yep. but like really with, with Umut Nair, he's gonna save us. I am so skeptical. Well, yeah, it's the option you have, it's the only option you have. So putting Umut in is he had well, to be. And I say this take, jokingly because of course taking off Diaby just was ten minutes, or I guess technically eleven minutes later. Who but Umut Nair would score the equalizer and uh, Gokhan Gunol with the assist. And yeah, there it is. Two to two. A nice little goal, too, actually. Uh, Umut has a way of... I, I want to say he's no more than a third striker, but sometimes I feel like maybe he's a second striker. I don't know. I mean, maybe not for no, well, right now, Right now he is, but he's not, you know, he's he not... Be. No, you... I mean... He shows he his flashes be, he where is, right, I almost right. wish we'd found him younger. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. It is what it is. Yeah, well, the, the thing with Umut is he got a little bit of a special story because he, he, he's, you know, one of those guys that actually has a really good education. He's a lawyer. Mm -hmm. uh, he wanted to finish his studies. That's also why he played in the second division for as long as he did because he was, you know, bloomer. busy with his... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and plus then you know he he did well in the second division for a couple of clubs, but then never really got a shot in the first division despite Osman Laspor snapping him up. But they never they just kept loaning him out. Anyway, yeah. But so, uh, <laughs> but I, yeah, nice little finish. Gokhan Gunal, tidy little assist. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, seventy first minute. Still, I think we have plenty to worry about because as you say, we need to win. Uh, this is scary. Yeah, that felt like okay. We got the point, and that's was we're not. That's what. That's all we're gonna get. We're, we've got the point now. Uh, we'll probably create a couple of chances, but we'll miss them. Exactly. You know. And so then, in the seventy-second minute, right after the goal scored, German Lenz comes in for Robosha, and like again, I I get it. Like you want to be more attacking, but I I'm skeptical as to how that is that the move. I'm, you know, not inclined to think so, honestly. But whatever. I, I was like, Jeremy and Lenz, I mean... It's the next one I took issue with. Yeah, I mean, what the hell? How does that the make next sense? Sub, the next sub. And again, like, we'd the be, next sub. we would be made to look stupid for being critical. But I'll get there. Because first, I took a little heart from this. That Mustafa Pektimek came out of the match in the 76th minute for Ilhan Dippe. And I, I just felt like Pektimek was going to score against us and kill us <laughs> like just for all the you almost did that too i know and like for but, all the, the crap yeah. we've talked over the years i just it was like in the cards you know but they took him out uh, also oh, came out in the 88th minute so all of the potential sort of revenge goals were, were taken out off the <laughs> table for them 
Yeah, but he played his match, and and he was essential in their two second goal because he he gave the splitting pass, sending Hayradinovic down the left. Yeah, so yeah. he definitely uh, he put it in his performance. He gave it his all. But the thing with with Quaresma, I, I I didn't I didn't I don't resent him for for giving a hundred percent. I mean, I don't resent Mustafa Pektimek for giving a hundred percent either. But the thing, the difference for me is like Quaresma did so much for the club, and obviously he did, did negative stuff too. But he he also did a lot of important stuff. He's done you know he. But the thing with Pektimek that I would have take an exception with is this guy lined his pockets for the last know, four man. years he 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 never has to, his family he's gonna die his, rich his grand, because of his grandchildren won't have to work exactly. a single day in their lives because of the the money he because made Besiktas. at Besiktas. uh and, and he did nothing in exchange for it basically pretty much so if if we would have like ended up losing this match because of a goal of his I, be I, honest, been, I don't feel like his celebration was discreet enough when he scored I didn't. I, it well, was, he didn't get to celebrate pretty much because it took so long for them to no, give like the goal. No, but after he scored immediately, he kind of punched his fists in. Like it wasn't like what, like yeah. for me, the classiest goal scored against us by a former player was Umer Shishmanolo because there was literally there wasn't even a like yes. Like immediately, his hands went to yeah, his sides, with, and he was like, the thing with that though. The thing with that, what you need to keep in mind, I think, is Umer still, I think, thought the door was kind of on a, on a little bit of an opening that he could come back one day. Mustafa knows he's never going to come back. Uh, plus, I think, he, I think he was respectful. I think, no, you I know, know. I, I, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm nitpicking. Because you know. it was, a, it was a, not a huge celebration yeah. by any means. I just still, like, I, I, I feel like... Well, it, I would have been... Like, Umer Shishmanola, for me, has, has established a, a high standard. But, but we didn't get to see what what Mustafa Pektimek's celebration would have really been like because they immediately ruled it off for offside as soon as that that the ball hit the net it was got yeah. called offside so he didn't get the chance to go all out so I would have been interested in seeing and in, in, if it didn't get ruled offside what his reaction would have been I would have been interested in seeing that but you know we never got to see and it, anyway so. and so anyway in the fifth minute of extra time 90 plus five the man who I was so critical of coming into the match German lens sets up a beautiful goal again Umut Nair on the, on the other end of it in the right place at the right time so some credit to him but really German lens made this goal um, just dodging he around did. the touchline. But it was literally the only thing was, he did in I 20 minutes. <laughs> so I, I was, I felt like I was totally correct in criticizing the sub until he did this. And then I was like, nope, got to put my foot in my mouth for the second time today. Uh, but yes, so German Lenz, yeah. just a beautiful setup too, though. He, he like willed, he made, yeah. he, he, he wanted Besiktas to win. You, you had that feeling. And then post-match, he came, uh, <laughs> A humble interview where he said he knows he hasn't been good enough. I I just I feel like he's yeah. I've never been anti German lens and I've never appreciated those who are because um I don't know you know he wants to be good. Yeah, at the end of the day, he's been a disappointing sure. transfer. Let's be honest, but I also think that the the the, the deck has yeah, been exactly. stacked against him in his first we definitely his first season and his, his settling yeah. early. And then oh, yeah. once it once once you're not established and you're like into your second season with the team it's it's hard to you know you're you, you don't have the, the yeah. fervor and excitement the fans aren't behind you because you're a new signing or anything you know so you you lose that edge. yeah plus now he's he's two years older he's exactly. he's 32 years old now um you know uh, yeah 
uh, he's starting. I mean, obviously, he's going to start at this point. He's going to start some showing some signs of showing slowing down. I think when we signed him, he was yeah, still prime. Sure. Uh, I mean, prime. Yeah, yeah, still, I, mean, I, I, I think it. he was still prime when we signed him. And, and I think this was when we had to capitalize on, yeah. on what his potential was. And we just didn't. Another at that point. But yeah, tragedy. Very. Yeah. But the good interview, he basically said, uh, you know, I've been getting a lot of criticism, and I think they're, I think they're right. The people who are criticizing me is what like he literally said. I think they're right because I, yeah, he said, uh, you know, I know what I'm capable of, and I simply haven't shown that since I arrived at Bishiklesh. Yeah, so he was very, uh, very sober and uh, hard on himself. Full credit. And uh, yeah. But I also kind of like the fact that Abdullah Avci uh, gave him the captain's armband against uh, Wolverhampton, and I think, um, I think, yeah, he against the Erzincan he got the captain's armband too. So I do think that Abdullah Avci is definitely a uh, being a little bit more, a little bit. But then I kind of wonder, like, look, you're doing that for a 32 year old, but exactly, why aren't you doing exactly. it for it's Tyler Boyd? Misplaced. You know, <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, whatever. It doesn't mean it's not good. It just it should also be. You know others so let me let me talk stats here so for for what this match uh let's see how this reflects on the match we saw and if, and if, if it jives so Besiktash had 19 shots to Kasim Pasha's 12 so, but only seven on target to their six so that was closer however Besiktash really dominated possession 67 to 33 despite being up for much of the match I mean not we, we were behind as well, so I, I think that would have gone either way. But passes, 565 completed by Besiktas to only 294 by Kassim Pasha. 86% accuracy by Besiktas to their 72. Um, 12 fouls committed by Besiktas to their 10. So it was a pretty rough game. And five cards given to Besiktas players. Three given to Kassim Pasha. Obviously one red card to call him Hafiz. Yeah, let's talk about that. What did you think of that red card? Did you think that was? I thought it was merited. Correct I thought call? it was merited. I do. I do. Uh, like the whole last man thing is is still relevant, but I also feel that he made too much of a show of like raising his leg and his arm after the contact, which kind of goes beyond fouling. Like you're you're kind of endangering a player at that point. Uh, you know, tr tripping a guy in the air and taking his legs out. So. Um, it's not like the obvious red. Obviously, Atiba sort of flares out and almost oversells it. But yeah, I, I think what Atiba is doing is trying to avoid injury <laughs> by jumping. Yeah, maybe over so. Him. Maybe so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Atiba is not the type to uh, to flop. So I don't think uh, so. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, yeah, I think that for me, like, um, with when being a little bit empathical, I think that Atiba doesn't get to that ball anymore he plays it out too far in front of him so for me a yellow card would have been okay but by letter of the law this is 100% a red card because as they also I, and I spoke about this on the football Turka podcast too like they spoke about this at on marathon and Metin Tekin our, our legend he, he basically had the same opinion as I like look Atipa is not gonna get to that ball anymore but the Kun Tekin on I very um very correctly pointed out look the rule does not take into account how quick a player is you know because if that's in kudu 
get to it. Absolutely. If yeah. that's included, then people would probably say, okay, that's a red card. But because it's Atiba and he's not that fast, people are like, ah, you know, you know, he's not gonna get to the ball. Should should be a yellow card. But you know, once you start doing that, that's like that's that. Yeah. What that's, are you like? Are you calculating no, someone's average speed? But, and, yeah, and, you but, know, no, exactly. Like, that's that's what Guntekun and I said. Look, you, the referee cannot look at which player is being fouled because that shouldn't that does not matter that is not part yeah. of the rule so the red card is absolutely a correct decision However, ultimately what you're looking no, at is Kalim Hafez's I think it's harsh, intent I, I think you, you're, you're supposed to look at his intent yeah. because yeah, yeah. all the other stuff is sort of secondary his, and like I don't it's think clear he's just trying to do everything he can to stop yeah. what looks like a one-on-one -on -one. yeah, yeah. look I, yeah exactly I think Karim Hafez I don't think he's risk I don't think he's intending to hurt Atiba but no way. definitely yeah. he, his intention is 100% look I missed this ball but I'm still gonna try and take clip the man just to make sure that exactly. he doesn't go one-on-one -on -one with the goalkeeper so in that regard you've kind of swayed me a little bit in the sense that look yeah he the, the red card there was definitely deserved but i think there was a uh, um also i mean something we didn't talk about yet is is, is koita that's another one that should have gotten the red card and i think if if i think if yeah. has doesn't get a red the koita is ejected probably sure. does uh, yeah yeah i mean koita gets a yellow for basically you know an aerial duel with with fida where he basically you know hits him in the face a little bit um which these days is a yellow uh, well, all, all these days, but referees are told, look, that's oh, yeah. uh, generally close. now that so, we can, we can like, look at things more carefully. Yeah. So he gets that yellow and then a little bit later, uh, he's called offside and he kicks the ball away, which we all know that's supposed to be a yellow. Now, for me personally, I'm like, ah, you know, those guys are already down to 10 men. You're not going to send them off for that. But then in the second half, like two or three minutes before he scores, he hits Gokhan Gunnel in the face. Yeah, and that to me, he should be off right there. And then obviously, like like it's written in the sky, written in the stars. Two minutes later, he he's the one that ends up scoring. So for me, I mean, uh, Kasim Pasha should have been down to nine men in like the fifty second minute. And uh, I think that the referee, despite giving that early red, I, I thought it was pretty bad. Uh, and then I think yeah, he, a lot of fifty, like a lot of those, I don't know, I. I didn't like his officiating of the match uh, for the rest of the match, and not that he did like anything blatant. We're all it's just little things, um, but maybe also he did that because you know how that red card maybe impacted him. Maybe he got the yeah. Like, you have to keep in mind these referees are, are human beings, and they they exactly know. they're not machines. Yeah, yeah, they know. I gave a red card in the 15th minute. I'm gonna get the color media on my exactly, ass exactly. yeah so then it kind of you know in the back of their head maybe they're being a little bit more lenient uh for forward into the match and uh, I, I think we also should point out that el neni i think uh, could have gotten an earlier yellow and then mm -hmm. uh because he had one would have been yeah he, got a yellow, yeah he had a couple of positions where he could have gotten the i think he had like three or four positions where he could have potentially gotten the yellow card so um when he used yeah, to bad like, day for the ref we yeah, can definitely agree. No, but I just want to point out it's not just uh, it's not just Koita that could have seen two yellows, but he definitely should have. But El Neni, sure. I think if he gets a yellow earlier, he plays more cautious. But you never know. Yeah, for sure. And Koita clearly didn't when he got the first yellow. He didn't he didn't start playing more cautiously. He kept you know he he flirted with reds twice. And I think that he really you know I think you can kind of play with a ref when when you've been given that early red 
Because you know that you're going to have that. Yeah, but do you risk that for kicking a ball? You shouldn't. You what's shouldn't. the point of kicking a ball away? And what's stupid. the point of hitting Gukan in the face there? What are you gaining? No, it was stupid. It's, uh. it's, it's not smart. I mean, if it's, if it's so, a fall to break down an attack, it's a different thing. Then I get it. And then, you know, don't waste your yellows on stupid stuff like Burak did. <laughs> you know, why yeah, is he? Yeah, exactly. He already won the aerial. He won the ball. And then he throws his arm back in the guy's face. Why? I Maybe know, it's not it's on so purpose, dumb. I don't know, but it's so stupid to take a it yellow. It looked pretty dumb. It looked yeah. pretty, not on purpose, but like careless. Yeah, and now he's on, if he gets a yellow against Malatia, he's going to miss the derby. So that was a stupid ass yellow. Yeah, it really was. Well, so let's talk about where that leaves us in the table going into this Malatia match. So now Besiktas, we're finally starting to see these results, you know, come out into the table. And so Besiktas is in second place alone. So yeah, Besiktas is just three points back on Sivas. Uh, behind us, though, there's some traffic. Trabzonspor and Basakshir. Basakshir is probably hot right now, but they're they're just one point back with 26. Fener has 25, and then Alanya and Galatasaray each have 23, and that brings us all the way down to seventh place. So seventh place is just four points back, and then. Yeni Malachi has 20 points, so they're seven points back on us in eighth place. They had started out hot. They've obviously simmered down a bit. But uh, yeah, that's the table going into this week's match. Now quickly, I should mention that this week's match is going to be a kind of earlier match on Sunday. So that's uh, December 15th in New York. That's 11 a.m., which I, means, I, th I think means 5 p.m. for UConn. Is that correct? Yeah, it should be. Uh, I think it's... Uh, uh, I could quickly check, but yeah, that should be correct. Doesn't matter anyway. People yeah, have check uh, your local the internet. Listings. Yeah, check your listings. listings um, so they have the internet. Yeah, you hope. The internet. <laughs> You'd hope they do, otherwise they're not listening to our podcast, I guess. But yeah, uh, all in all, there's a lot on the line here. Uh, we're at home against Yeni Malatya. Uh, hopefully, Burak is in form and not looking to get another yellow card because that would be a <laughs> huge tragedy. Imagine uh, having to go um, to Kadikoy with, uh, with Umut as your lone striker, basically. Uh, <laughs> I mean, so Khan, like, give us a bit of a preview here. What do you expect out of this match? What are you, what are you thinking about it before we log out uh, of the episode? Well, obviously, it's a, it's a quality. It's one of the better sides in the league, for sure, that we're facing. Uh, but we're at home. Um, and, uh, you know, we have two home games left, Malatya and Engenstervli. I think if we want to seriously contend for the title, we need to take six points from those two matches. And then anything we take in Kadikoy uh, is a bonus, preferably we don't lose. <laughs> But yeah. we haven't won there since 2004, so we need to be realistic too. Also, you need to be realistic in the sense that they've been pretty good at home at times. Uh, obviously, they lost a couple of weeks ago to Antalya Sport at home, 1-0. But they've also had some really impressive showings at home recently. Uh, just last weekend, they got a 5-2 win against against Really, uh, Plus, you know, I mean, it's a derby, so you don't know what's going to happen there. But this Malachia match, it's, it's definitely... Um, a tough opponent, but it's just a match we have to win simply. Um, yeah. it's, it's very important. It's more important, I think, that we that we just win these two home games and then, you know, whatever happens in the derby happens. But even, you have to keep in mind, uh, so we play on Sunday, right? Um, the late game, basically, on Sunday. So in, in the early afternoon, 
Um, Sivaspor league leaders are actually hosting Fenerbahce, so either Sivaspor or Fenerbahce or both are going to draw points. Nice. So we need to win. We're also going to know what that result of that match is already going into the Malatya game. So we, we, we have no excuse. We have to win that match. And then uh, it's it's all... Uh, and then hopefully we don't get any suspension. But we only have Burak Yilmaz who risks a suspension by yellow card. So obviously there's possibilities for red cards. But let's hope that doesn't happen. Uh, so we only have Burak Yilmaz at risk for a yellow card. Uh, we have a couple of... Like Victor Ruiz is also at risk. But obviously he's injured. So he won't be playing. Yeah, not totally. Uh, although, although he's Next. back in training, I believe. So it could oh. be could be back for the derby. But we don't know. Um, but yeah, so... Well, certainly, if it's possible, we should definitely rest yeah. him for, but, this and, week. But also important. Uh, so Fenerbahce are away at Sivas. They're very difficult. Obviously, Sivas are the informed team right now alongside us. They also have six wins in a row, just like us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Fener actually have a couple of players who are uh, at risk for uh, suspension. So Vedat Muric, they're... I think most important player, uh, Emre Belozolo is at risk for uh, a yellow card suspension. I think uh, Luis Gustavo as well, and Terder Aziz. So they have four players that are pretty key to them, hmm. um, and uh, they got uh, our good friend Ali Palabi as referee. So uh, probably none of them boy. will get a yellow, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good thing. He's like their uh, favorite person. Well. Um, well, so, I mean, it's going to be an exciting week one way or another, whether it's in our match or in another match, but uh, I, I'm, I'm eagerly anticipating it. It'll be yeah, good let's just, let's just hope this whole uh, Wolverhampton thing didn't kickstart a terrible December, but yeah, yeah right. just three more games are left for us. Obviously, there's also the Cup game, but I'm, not, I'm just glossing past that right now. There's three games left in the league right now, and you know what? I mean... Six or more points of that is going to set us up for a really good opportunity at the title in the second half of the season. That's yeah. that's the truth, because we're just in a really good position if we get six points in our in our next three, uh, nine games. Oh, preferably I think we need seven, to get least, these six points at least. Like, I mean, we have yeah, to these win six points games. are vital. And what that means is that if we drop any points against Yanni Malati, we have to make it up against Fener 100%. You know, but puts pressure on that result. We have to so. keep looking at it match by match. So the That's first right. one, we cannot be, we cannot afford to be looking at the Fenerbahce match already, which we are kind of already doing here, if we have mm-hmm. to be honest. <laughs> but the team cannot afford to do that. The team has to concentrate 100% on Malatia Sport. And uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, the only player who has to be very conscious about not taking a yellow card is Burak. And then let's hope that he has the... the the, the experience and the discipline to do so and uh, yeah. at the same time still uh, hopefully bang in a couple of goals to get us three points yeah on a, on a production note i'm glad we got to do this on a friday so we're back to our routine um and it's good timing we'll be back next week obviously to talk about this big match against yanni malatia that's upcoming Mm-hmm. As well as we'll obviously have uh, the Erzincan, the second leg to talk about, which I don't anticipate much drama in that regard. But uh, yeah, so we'll have some more to talk about, of course, and uh, we'll be previewing the big Fenerbahce Derby. Uh, yep. Any closing notes, Khan, before we put an end to this episode? No, 95, I just, re- I just, I just uh, so we're gonna, I guess we're gonna close out the the year at uh, 97, I guess, or 98. Uh, but no, I just hope that with these three league games remaining, that we just, you know, uh, we're on a fantastic run right now. It's a shame we didn't beat Ankara Gujur, 
but yeah, we're on such big. a good run right now. I hope we can just continue it a little bit longer, just three more weeks. We can just hold on, so to speak, uh, and then go into the winter break, um, you know, re- hopefully get to signings. But this is something we haven't talked about. But of course, you know, Ahmed Nurchebi, our new president, has talked about this, that there's some... You know, the financial state of the club is really bad right now. So there's some potential looming transfer ban from the TFF and a potential looming European ban is what he talked about, that the, these are possibilities right now. He's not saying they're definitely coming, but he did say that they are possibilities. So I just hope it, that, that that he managed to stave that off. Um, I just hope it's kind of a ploy where he's like, oh, we didn't get a transfer ban because we did such a good job. And yeah, crazy, yeah, he's playing you know. the hero card, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I just hope that's what he, I, I just hope that's what he's doing. But uh, anyway, uh, I just hope we can, I think we need in, in, in January, I think if we can get two good signings, we have such a good chance. On- yeah, I mean, even just like for me, the striker, right? Like that's yeah. really key. A striker, then, winger, I think. Yeah, the winger would be... The icing on the cake i guess you could say but yeah no i, I think and and if they're the right moves just all i have to say is remember fabian ernst and yusuf shimshek yeah being oh. uh, the the, car, the vital junti in 2000 and and in, this, in january 2003 and and uh, ernst uh, and and yusuf in uh uh january 2009 mm-hmm. That's the kind of and Marcelo, we need. Marcelo in, in in January 2015. And perhaps again in 2020? <laughs> <laughs> who knows, who knows. Uh, but yeah, take us out, Khan. Give us the tweets, the twits, and whatnot. Ah, you know where to follow us, people. Just go check out uh, at uh, Eagles underscore podcast and check out uh, Sinan at Sir underscore rights underscore a lot. You can check me out at at Rosarian, R-A-Z-Z-E-R-I-A-N. Uh, and you can follow uh, Bishkish International at Bishkish underscore int I-N-T. That's pretty much it for me. And, uh, well, I gotta say something. Yeah. Go Bishkish! Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are. You can see the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel for now. Oh, and... and um, Start formulating your, your favorite Kosh players from the decade. We're going to do a, a top yeah. eight, starting 11 for the decade episode in the break uh, around New Year's-ish, sort of between uh, December there. Uh, so stay, you know, start putting the, your thoughts on paper if you need to. And uh, stay, stay. Yeah, just the, the player of the decade is the most important thing, I think. But I think there's only one man who can get that. Well, I think it's between two players. Probably. But I know who's <laughs> don't, uh, don't, don't give anyone any ideas. Let's not uh, be in the pool. But yeah, no. Uh, stay tuned, everyone. Besiktas International hopes you enjoyed this program.